We're in a brand new sermon series called God in a Box. And so if you're going to text during the service, and I know you are, um, hashtag God in a Box and uh, let people know what we're talking about here at the bridge, what we're preaching on, what the lessons are about over the next month. So this is our first series of the new year. Very, very strategic. The topic we're talking about today is very, very strategic as we go into the new year. So uh, hashtag God in a box. And, you know, we've been kind of pushing you guys to do that. And uh, Twitter and, and uh, Instagram and Facebook, and that's about all I know about it. But um, uh, it was so cool to see people really trying to take advantage of social media. I saw one person wrote the word hashtag right before they put the little words afterwards. I thought, man, that's trying right there, isn't it? So the hashtag is the little thing on your phone, looks like tic-tac-toe. You put that and then put God in a box, no spaces, and it creates a whole page where you can read what everybody wrote about how awesome I preach. Okay, okay, okay. So let's get into the Word today. I want to ask you a question. I want to start this new year off with a question, big question for you. It is a huge question because it was asked by somebody pretty big. It was asked by God. And it was asked to Abraham, and it was asked really, really early in the Bible in the book of Genesis. Now, before we read that verse, I want to set it up. So God had told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child in their old age. I would need to hear from God if that was going to happen, wouldn't you? Get some old people here going, amen, yeah. So... God comes to Abraham, he goes, you're going to have a child in your old age. And they, Abraham believed, but, uh, you know, I'm sure there were questions in his mind. Uh, those of you who know the Bible, you've been reading the Bible for a while, you know that when Abraham told Sarah that, she had a strange reaction. What did she do? She laughed. She thought, never going to happen, man, never going to happen. Abraham, I think you ate too much pizza before you went to bed last night, and God didn't say that to you. How many of you know if you eat the right food, you can get a word from the Lord? <laughs> get a bunch of collard greens and stuff, you know. You'd be hearing from all kind of stuff. So, um, so this question is not only to Abraham, it was not only to Abraham, but I want to I just uh, set this in, in place. I want you to understand it's a question for you. This big question we're going to read is a question for you. you. I want you to ask yourself this question. As we are going into 2015, I want just to talk about kind of how God put this series in my heart. I just feel like there's a lot of people in church who think God's best blessings are for other people. I think sometimes people who go to church, we're kind of like the woman with the issue of blood who woke up one morning and she decided, I'm pushing my way through the crowd today. I'm touching Jesus today. And here's what I want to just say to you, and I hope God will help me say it right and say it in a way it will penetrate. I just think that woman looked on maybe while other, the Bible doesn't really say it, but I think she maybe watched while other people got a miracle. She watched while other people got blessed, and she was happy for them, and she rejoiced with them, and she was pleased that they, they were blessed. But I think she finally got up one morning and went, you know what? I think God's got something for me. 
I think God's got a touch for me in my life. You know, you know what? We think everybody else is worthy of a touch from God, worthy of ministry from the Holy Spirit, worthy of a blessing, but somehow not us. That's the enemy, and that's how the enemy talks to you, and that's how your own human nature talks to you. Other people get blessed, but you, not you. you you're, not, you're not in the in crowd. And here's the word I want to give you today. I believe this. I believe this, man. I have thought about it. I was on phone last night with a pastor buddy of my, mine, and we were just kind of pumping each other up about, you know, the new year and talking about what... I just believe that in 2015, if you will take on the attitude of that woman in the New Testament who watched other people get blessed until finally she said, you know what, I'm, I'm happy for that. I want other people to get blessed. I'm going to pray for other people. I want to minister to other people. I want to be a blessing to other people. But you know what? It's my year. This is my year. This is my year. 2015 is going to be my year. When I get what God wants for me, when I finally break through, I think sometimes we are so, and it's wonderful, I think that's the heart of Jesus, but we are so focused on helping somebody else break through that we forget God's got to break through for us. And you, you're sitting here this morning, and if you, if you stood up and unveiled everything that you're struggling with and battling with and want to overcome and need a breakthrough financially or a breakthrough in your marriage or a breakthrough with your kids or a breakthrough with some kind of addiction you've been struggling with or, or whatever, I just want you to go, you know what? I, you know, just kind of grit your teeth, you know, and say, this is my year, baby. This is my year. I'm going to keep praying for other people, and I'm going to keep rejoicing when other people break through, but I'm going to break through this year. I'm going to touch God this year. I'm going to touch the hem of the garment. Thank God for other people who get to touch the hem of the garment. Thank God for that, but I'm going to touch the hem of the garment this year, and God's going to do something in my life. So Abraham and Sarah, you know, they're kind of wondering how in the world is this whole Jewish lineage going to get established? I mean, we're getting old, and God's already told me that the whole thing's going to come from me. You know, this whole lineage that leads up to the Messiah coming and through the Jewish people is going to come through me. And I'm, th I'm sure Abraham's going, you know, but last time I was checking, last time I checked on that, I'm going to have to have a baby if that's going to keep going. And I'm getting old, you know. I mean, Abraham was at that age I'm at where you go in McDonald's and they just give you the senior citizens thing. <laughs> They don't even ask you anymore. Matter of fact, if you go in and sometimes they give it to you and sometimes they don't, I'm going to give you a little tip right here. If you will walk up to the counter and just make old people noises, you will get some free coffee. I mean, just walk up to the counter and go, and they'll go, got a senior citizen here, you can get some free coffee. That's just a tip. Look, we're here to bless you. We're here to help you here at the bridge. See, there's people writing that down. They don't ever write down anything else I say, but I just saw people writing that. I'm, I'm doing that right there. Give me some free coffee. So they were questioning God's ability. They knew what God had said, but they were having a hard time thinking, is he talking to us? And here's what it was. It was in Genesis 18, 14, and here's what it says. I want you to read the yellow words with me. Is anything too hard? For the Lord. What's the answer to that? 
But see, I think every one of you believe that. Here's what I think you struggle believing. Believing it for you. Believing it for yourself. That's what I'm asking you to do in 2015. No, we're not going to become selfish in 2015. I'll tell you what, you know, God's up there going, hey, man, I love how you pray for other people. I love how you serve other people. I love how you fast for other people. I love how you believe for other people. But, man, I want to do something for you. So, you know, somehow we think it's too hard for us. We don't think we're worthy. We think somehow we messed up in our youth, and we probably did. But I got news for you. If God didn't bless people because they messed up in their youth, he wouldn't bless any of us. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. If God blessed us because we mess up any time, he wouldn't bless any of us because I mess up all the time. I want to tell you all five ways I mess up. I'm kidding. I'm not telling you not one way, not one way. <laughs> Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He says, here's what God says to Abraham. Abraham, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. She'll have a son. What a good question. What a great question. Is anything too hard for God? Put your name in there. Hey, Pharaoh, is anything too hard for God in 2015? Is anything too hard for him to do in your life? Is there anything too hard? Put your name there and then answer it. No, there's not. And then let God work in your life this year in a fresh way. Now, here's what I love about the Bible. In Genesis 18, 14, we get the question. Well, in just a minute, we're going to look at what a prophet, Jeremiah. You know Jeremiah? Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, Jeremiah was known as what kind of prophet? The what prophet? Weeping prophet. He wrote the book after the book of Jeremiah. And what was the name of that book? Lamentations. And it means weeping. It means crying. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. Now, I'll just tell you how God did Jeremiah. God called Jeremiah to the ministry. And Jeremiah, y'all read the first couple chapters, at least, of Jeremiah, where he argues with God and goes, God, I'm not good at speaking. I'm not, I'm not a leader. I'm not a prophet. I'm not somebody to do that. And he told, he told Jeremiah this. And, the, and this is, some of you need this today. He said, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. I'm going to tell you what to say. You just obey. You just say yes. I'll put the words there. And so Jeremiah is prophesying here, and buddy, I got to tell you something, man. You talk about a rough church. Whew. He had a rough church. If you're sitting here today and you do ministry, um, maybe, you're, maybe there's a pastor sitting here today. Maybe you're off today and you're visiting, and, or maybe there's somebody who used to be a pastor, you used to be a preacher, school a Sunday school teacher or whatever, and, uh, you, or, or you still are, and uh, you are just feeling beat up in the ministry. Listen, if you want to feel better about your situation, go read about poor old Jeremiah. Matter of fact, Jeremiah wrote this thousands of years ago, but let me tell you what he said. He said something that I've said in my own heart from time to time. I've been in the ministry since I was 17 years old, and now I'm 58 years old. That's a while right there, isn't it? And I got to tell you, in that 41 years of ministry right there, there have been times I wanted to do exactly what Jeremiah said. And I'm just challenging you in your private time to read that book of the Bible. A lot of people say, I don't understand the Bible. You know why you don't understand it? You don't read it. You ought to read it. And, and this New Living Translation right here, NLT, that means New Living Translation, helps you understand it more if you're new to the Bible. You know, get your King James Version right there so if Jesus comes, you'll go to heaven. 
and then right beside it, get you get your the message or the New Living Translation, and and it'll help you understand it. But Jeremiah is uh, he, he's weeping, he's crying, and uh, he's struggling. And uh, this, this book is so powerful, it could be a movie. Now, let's look at this scripture. The book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Look what Jeremiah says. Oh, sovereign, and you ought to do a word study on that right there. If you want to get blessed by the Lord, you need to understand who the Lord is. Oh, Lord of limitless authority and power. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens. You made the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Now everybody read the yellow. Nothing is too hard for you. So we got the question in Genesis and we got the answer in Jeremiah. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing is too hard for you. But see, that's simple. You say, man, they're probably doing that in kids' church, probably. I mean, that's how easy that is, how simple. Here's the, here's the challenge for you. Believe in it for you. Believe in it for yourself. You know what? Some of y'all think everybody else is worthy except you. You think everybody else is worthy of God's best except you. You think everybody's worthy of a miracle except you. I mean, that's how the enemy talks to you. And that's how your own humanity, your own human nature talks to you. And so we're going to talk about that in this series. I mean, sometimes we wonder, don't we, when we look around us, if nothing's too hard for God, then why doesn't God do something in some situations? We look around at all the filth and the crime and the stench of our day. Man, I just have to turn it from the news sometimes. Do you guys feel that way? I just have to turn it from the news because I can't really do anything about it other than pray. And so sometimes I get fixated on the, on the news. And, and I'm going to tell you something, and I don't have this in my notes. I, I'm going to give you this no charge. This is free. This part's free. Some of you are getting depressed and dark and discouraged because you're, you're consuming too much of that stuff. You're consuming too much. Should we keep up with the news? Should we know what's going on? Absolutely. But here's what happens. When all you do is watch the news and how bad it is, you forget this right here. Oh, sovereign Lord. You forget he's got it, baby. He's got it. You forget that he made the heavens and the earth. You forget he's got a strong hand and a powerful arm. And look, let me tell you something. He's going to inject himself in this in a little while. He's going to show up in a little while. But right now, we struggle. We go, look at all the filth. Look at all the rebellion against God. Look at all the wars, Pastor, and the abuse, even of the little children and the violence of, of the organizations, Al-Qaeda and ISIS, and not just there, but other places. The hatred, Pastor, in our own community, even among many Christians, the strife, the unforgiveness, the unbelief, the blasphemy. I mean, God, where is he? Why doesn't God do something? Does God even know what's going on? If he does, does he care? And if he does care, then why doesn't he act? Is it because he's not able? Why is heaven silent? 
What's God waiting for? And these questions are logical and normal, and I can understand them entering your mind. They cross my mind from time to time as well. And I would just like to respond by saying this. There's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of questions I get asked that I don't have the answer to. Matter of fact, just let me give you a little word of advice right there. People who act like they got an answer for everything, be careful with that. Be careful with that. Nobody has the answer to everything. And you're going to send me messages on Facebook and go, Pastor, what does the Bible mean about that? And what does the scripture mean about that? And you, you know what you're going to get from me sometimes? I'm not real sure what that means. The Bible says in Paul's writings to the Corinthian church that right now we see through a glass darkly. And when you study what that means, it means we see through a glass that has like smut on it from a fire or it's just smudged real bad. We can make out some things on the other side, but it's real blurry. And so the word of God's really clear about how we really don't see things as clearly as we're gonna see them. So I don't have all the answers, but you know what? There's one thing I'm crystal clear about. Nothing is too hard for the God I serve. And the God of the Bible and the God of Abraham and the God of Jeremiah is the God of the bridge. It's the same God. Amen. He is the same God. So in this sermon series, God in a Box, all those hard questions I just asked, why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't he move? Where I'm going to try to answer those questions. Matter of fact, let me tell you how this sermon series is going to go. In the first two weeks, today and next Sunday, we're going to talk about the limitless power of God. We're just going to establish that God can do anything. We're just going to get that nailed down. We're going to get that plaster to the wall. We're going to get that in stone. Nobody's going to have a doubt about God can do anything. He is limitless in his power. But then, in the last two sermons, we're going to look at how some of us, I'm, me too, me too, I'm guilty too, we put him in a box. And we limit him. We limit him. And we're going to go over some ways in the last two sermons that we limit God. And I got to tell you, this has been one of those sermon series where I have been studying and, and typing and putting it together. And then I have to stop and just kind of get out of my seat, roll around, make that chair an altar and go, God, I'm going to preach on this because you told me to preach on it. But you know, God, that I'm really weak myself in this I mean, this has been a convicting sermon series to develop for me. And I believe it's going to bring conviction to our church. But let me tell you something. Conviction's good for a church. It causes us to break through barriers and get a hold of God in ways we never have. And let me just remind you guys about Wednesday nights, man. On Wednesday nights, we're having worship, same worship band you saw today. Uh, they're, they're leading worship on Wednesday night. And then I'm speaking for about 10 minutes. Honestly, you need to come for Wednesday night just to know I can speak for 10 minutes. <laughs> and then we're just praying. And this past Wednesday night, we just put on some good prayer music and people were just scattered all over the building praying, all over the uh, worship, 
auditorium. And we had some prayer ministers up here and people were coming for prayer. But then uh, people would, would be like back over in that section and they'd just be kneeling down by a chair. It's time for the church to pray. And I don't know, I don't only want you to believe God can do anything for you, but how about some breakthrough for the bridge this year? How about some breakthrough? How many of you know if we plant that ministry in downtown Goldsboro called the Bridge to Hope for the, for the people who are struggling financially and uh, the people who are downtrodden, how many of you know the enemy isn't going to like that? And he's going to do everything he can to stop us. So we have to, we have to cover ourselves in prayer. We have to cover ourselves in the presence of Almighty God. So come out this Wednesday night from 7 to 8. We let you go at 8 o'clock. You can hang around longer if you want to, but we let you go at 8 o'clock, and, and, and we're just having a great time of prayer. So let's get into this. So uh, we established that the God of the Bible is the God of the bridge and that this God that we serve has limitless power. He is the sovereign God. He can do anything he wants to, anytime he wants to, and nothing is too hard for him. So let's look at two things. And this is very simple today. This is not any, anything you haven't heard before, but I want us to be renewed in it. Number one, first of all, God can and will keep every promise. Somebody came up to me the day and they said, Pastor, you know God... God made a personal, I'm sorry about that. God made a personal promise to me some time back. He said, you know, it hadn't been fulfilled yet, but I know it will be. I know it will be. Now, there are many promises in the Bible. You know how many promises are in the Bible? 30,000. There are 30,000 promises in the Bible. Now, some of them are to you, but some of them are specifically to the nation of Israel. But some of them, most of them apply to all of us. Let me tell you something. God's going to fulfill every single one of those promises. Now, that's the logos. That's the written word of God. He's going to fill those. But sometimes God will give a rhema word. He'll give a word to you out of the written word. Okay? So, you know, for instance, if you're reading David and Goliath, and you go, well, how does this apply to me? And you pray that and you go, God, how's that apply? He'll give you a word for the Goliaths in your life and how you can have victory over the Goliaths of your life. So God will give you a personal word out of the word. And these are promises, and God never, 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 ever breaks a promise. So receive that today and, and accept that and stand on that truth. How do we know God uh, will keep his promises because God made the promises. <laughs> I mean, if Pharaoh made the promises, you'd go, well, uh, yeah, Pharaoh said, he said, I'll be there at two o'clock. And then he wasn't there at two o'clock. Listen, when God says something, it's, it's in stone. He's gonna do it. He's gonna, follow, he's gonna follow through. The reason we know God is gonna keep his promises is because God cannot lie. Look in the book of Numbers with me. Numbers 23, verse 19. Read the yellow parts with me. God is not a man, so he does not lie. God is not a man. Who's happy about that? I'm happy about that. He is not human. Anybody happy about that? He's not human, so he does not change his mind. And then questions, two questions. And they're rhetorical questions that we're about to read. They're not questions that the writer is, doesn't understand. They're rhetorical. There's, there's an obvious answer to them. 
Has he ever spoken and failed to act? What's the answer to that? No. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? No. Now here's the problem. You're amen in that saying, yeah, 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 but let's take it to HNL. That stands for a whole nother level. So you want to take it to the HNL and you want to say, that's for me. That's for my family. That's for my life. It's not just for the bridge. It's not just for great men of God like Billy Graham and others. It's for me. Everybody say it's for me. It's for me. It's for you. 2015's your year. You're going to get hold of the hem of the garment this year. You say, and I know how it's going to be. Well, you might, but then you might not. You might think you're going to get a hold of God's garment like that woman did in the New Testament, and you already might have in your mind, this is what I want, this is how I want. God may have something totally different that he's going to bless you in. How many of you know if he picks my blessing, it'll be better than what I had in mind? Isn't that right? Amen, amen, amen. Yes. So he says God cannot lie. Now we live in a day when man's word doesn't mean much. I mean, it's always, uh, it's always interesting to me to watch the guys on the news um, and they'll, they'll have a uh, treaty, signing of a treaty. And the people in the Middle East are going to sign this treaty. How long does that last? They're like, man, this is awesome. And before they can get back home, somebody shot at somebody. You can't trust man. You can't trust man's words apart from God. And then, then business transactions. Some of you guys are sitting here right now and you thought all the T's were crossed and all the I's were dotted in a contract you had and the other person already knew loopholes they were going to exercise on you as soon as those papers were signed and you got hurt and you got betrayed because these kind of agreements between men often don't work. Even marriage, we just treat marriage so frivolously. We treat marriage so frivolously and we wonder why God don't bless us. You know, when I was 17, 18 years old, 16, I was a chick magnet. I'm just saying I was a chick magnet back then. I know it's hard to see now, but I'm just telling you. And, you know, if I was dating a girl, you know, I'd be seeing another girl, and I'd go, all right, you know. And I'd break up with this girl, and then I'd go date this other girl. And that's fine, you know, when you're that age, that kind of thing's going on. But we have carried that right into the marriage contract. I, I'm not kidding you guys. It blows me away at people who just toss marriage, a covenant made, you say, well, just made a covenant with each other. No, 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 no. A marriage contract is a covenant with God. A covenant with God. I'm not saying every marriage can be saved. I'm not saying that. It takes two. If those two people can get where they ought to be with God, then that's going to cause them to get where they ought to be with each other. But, but if they don't, then, then sometimes, you know, there's one or both of them won't, won't 
do what they know God wants them to do. They, they won't obey. And so some marriages do end. Uh, the scriptures talk about that. But guys, listen to me. Listen. We've got to take marriage more seriously. I just feel preach coming on me right here. I don't want to make anybody mad. Uh, lock the doors, guys. <laughs> Can I tell you that if you are separated from somebody, you're married. If you're separated, you're married. So if you go date somebody while you're separated and you're still married, you just committed adultery. You know, this is the bridge here. You know, the bridge. We believe everything's all right. We don't ever preach against sin. You know, you know y'all heard that? You know. So we've got to take it more seriously. When I'm on Facebook and I see somebody that's married and tells me they love Jesus, but they're dating somebody because they're separated, I mean, I want to go. Karate kid, that's karate kid right there, for y'all who don't know. All the young people going, karate kid? Is... Oh, you're talking about Will Smith's little boy. No, the real one. So that's what I get a big amen on, karate kid, really. You know, we were talking about Jeremiah a while ago. I'm going to tell you what this church did one time. Matter of fact, y'all might do it right now. I, I was, I was going to ask them who Jeremiah was. I said, Jeremiah was, and everybody said, bullfrog. And I thought, man, I've got work to do in this church. I didn't mean to preach that long on the marriage bond, but guys, do you understand? Listen, 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 listen. God doesn't feel any different about marriage than he did when he spoke about it the first time. You say, well, society's changed. I understand that, but God hasn't. Come on now. What did God say? What did God say? Well, you might not be able to trust a treaty between nations or a business contract or even a marriage bond, but you know this, if God said it, he'll make it good. You ever felt God made you a promise and didn't keep it? Here's the question. The question is, did that promise he made to you have a condition? In other words, if you meet this condition, I'll keep this promise. Can I just tell you something right now? Every promise of God has a condition. Every promise of God. See, you can't, you can't just go in the Bible and go, you know, matter of fact, they make a little Bible that is nothing but the verses that are promises to God. That's the only verses that are in that Bible, so you can just read everything God promised. It's a great little Bible. I would encourage you to get it. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't, you can't open that little Bible and go, I claim that promise, I claim. You can do all that you want to, but there are conditions to every one of those promises. There are conditions. You have to meet the conditions. So the problem is not when you don't get a promise kept, what, why did God fail me? Because it's impossible for God to fail you. He can't fail you. Here's what you start asking. What condition was in that promise that I didn't meet? Or you might 
know that God is waiting. God doesn't always give you the timing on a promise, does he? But God's delays are not God's denials necessarily. God, that's a good thing to tweet right there. God, God might delay in your life, but he's not saying no. He's saying what? Wait. Time out. God's saying, just wait. It's coming. You need to start asking questions. Not what did God not do, what did I not do? Not how did God fail, how did I disobey? What condition have I not met? Let's talk about, and I'm going to hurry because I'm enjoying preaching too much. Let's go to the book of Titus in the New Testament. And Paul here is talking about the promise of eternal life. Can I ask y'all something? How many of y'all, the promise of eternal life is pretty important to you? That's pretty important, isn't it? I mean, if God wants to give me a car and he promises me a car, that's great. I'll take that. But I really am counting on that eternal life thing. Okay, so let's look at what he said to Titus, this young preacher. This truth, and what you need to find out what he was talking about there is go back and read verse 1. Probably should have put verse 1 in here. This truth gives them what? Confidence that they have what? Which God, everybody say this part, before the foundation of the world, before the world began. That's what that means. King James, before the foundation of the world. So what he's saying here is, is that you're going to get eternal life because God promised that to you. But there's a condition you've got to meet. If you want to go to heaven when you die, there's a condition attached to that. You say, so, well, I've got to suffer. Right? No, no, no. Jesus already did all the suffering. Died on the cross in your place. Rose from the dead. He did. But the condition is you've got to believe. You've got to believe. He's talking to Christians here. You've got to believe to them who believe. You've got to not only just believe about Jesus, but you've got to receive him into your life to be the Lord and Savior of your life. That's the condition if you want to have eternal life. It is not just that God made a promise and everybody gets in on it because there's this doctrine in the world today called the fatherhood of God doctrine, and here's what they teach. They teach that Jesus died on the cross, so now God's everybody's father. No, no, no. Listen, if, if we had a gift for everybody here today, and we don't, but if we did, if we had a gift, and there were people standing at the door handing out gifts, if you didn't reach out and take that gift, you couldn't have that gift. You couldn't possess that gift. You couldn't enjoy that gift. You couldn't enjoy the benefits of that gift. Jesus has the gift. He's offering the gift, but you take it. And you say, I believe. Boy, did y'all love that last song today? I believe that Jesus died in my place. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he ascended into heaven 40 days later. I believe he's coming again. I believe it and I receive him as Lord of my life. See, you got a little throne right there in your heart, a little throne. Something's sitting on that throne. Something is sitting on that throne. 
Something rules you. And what you want to do is get that thing off the throne and get Jesus on that throne because it's his throne. It's his throne. So when you give Jesus the throne of your heart, then you've met the condition so you get to what? Have eternal life. So much I want to preach here. Let me just talk real quickly about the assurance of your salvation. How many remember the old hymn, Blessed? Good, good. Love that song. Still love it. We jazzed it up. We still sing it. We just jazzed it up some. So you've got to be assured. Look, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer and you've accepted Christ, you're going to be ineffective if you are not confident. See it in the first line, last word? If you're not confident about your relationship with God. I had some people stop by my house the other day, told me that only 144,000 were getting to heaven. You ever had anybody tell you that? Some group? And I was like, well, why? I'm going to just party down, baby. Because I'm sure that's already taken. 144,000. False doctrine, false teaching. But if I want eternal life, I've got to have confidence. And if I want to, if I want to, listen to this, this is so important. If I want to influence another person to be a Christ follower, and I'm trying to sell them on it, if I'm not confident about my relationship with God, they're going to pick up on it just like that. You ever heard a preacher preach on something he didn't really believe? You ever seen a salesman try to sell you something and he didn't really believe in his product? How long did it take you to know? Just right. Some people stopped by my house one day trying to sell me a vacuum cleaner. God bless them. I appreciate Look, anybody go door to door, they got my, they got my uh, respect. Well, you know what my first question was? You got one? Do you have one? Because I want to know, I want to know that you trust the suckification of that vacuum cleaner. <laughs> there were people who weren't listening, and now they're listening. Because that's important. It's the only thing you can say that, and it's a good thing. So, some of y'all get that going home. But, but I want. Do you have one? How long have you used it? How can you talk to me about it if you don't know it? If you don't have one, and you've not. And and look, there are a lot of Christians today, and this is so important. What I'm about to say. There are a lot of Christians today that if you walk up to them and go, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? And you know they stutter. They stammer, they get nervous, their face drops, they look down at their feet, their countenance drops, you know why? They're not sure. And then if you say, well, are you, are you a Christian? Are you, did you accept Jesus into your life? Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and you accepted what he did, and you accepted him, and you've asked him to be Lord? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what's you hanging your head down for? Here's why. Here's why they hang their head down. Because they've been taught something not true. Here's what they've been taught. They've been taught that to get to heaven, it's Jesus plus me being perfect. And if Jesus did what he did, awesome. 
and I've accepted him into my heart, and I do everything perfect, that equals heaven. False doctrine. If you get into heaven determines your perfection, is based on your perfection, you're not going. I might make it, but y'all are not going. I'm not going either. Listen, I would stand up here and tell you guys I'm perfect, but I got a wife <laughs> who don't lie. And she'd be going, uh-huh. <laughs> Listen, you're going to heaven. Here's why you're going to heaven. Please get this. You're going to heaven because you accepted Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and rose from the dead as your personal Savior. That's why you're going to heaven. You say, time out. What about me being good? What about me being a good person? That comes out of your relationship with him. Look, holiness won't get you to Jesus. But Jesus will get you to holiness. You can live holy, holy, holy. I know holy people who are just mean as a snake. I do. Man, they got more rules. They got rules, baby. Most of them you can't find in the Bible, but they got some rules. And they're mean people. Can I preach like this? Yes, I can. Listen. And here's why they're mean, and here's why they're ornery. Because they've created rules that they think you've got to abide by that they can't even abide by themselves because they're so frustrated. Can anybody say Pharisee? And Sadducee? And they were called Sadducees because they were sad, you see. And the reason they were sad is because they had created this whole rule system that Jesus is going, what is that? Matter of fact, I love Luke 15, man, where Jesus is about to talk about the lost coin and the lost son and, and uh, uh, what else did they lose? Oh, the sheep, the lost sheep. And right before he gives them that, it's in Luke 15, the first three, four verses. Here's what it says. It says, the Pharisees, who had all the rules, stood afar off from Jesus. And then in the next line it says, and the sinners drew near to him. People go, why does a bridge, why do y'all have church? Y'all ain't like any other church, because man... We want the sinners to draw near. Amen. How in the world can we judge anybody? I was talking to somebody before this service. These people got all these rules. Gossip never is one of their rules, though. Have you ever noticed that? You know, they want you to grow this out longer and cut this off, and they want you to wear this and don't wear that, but they don't ever talk about gossip. You know why? Because they love it, baby. They love it. They like to talk about all the people that aren't keeping their rules. That was a preacher back there. Preacher's with me. 
And the, the media guys just sat down and went, he's going to be here a while. So, but do y'all hear me? See, when you think that you have something to do with your salvation, you're never going to be confident about it. You're never going to be confident about your relationship with God if you think Jesus has a responsibility in it and then you also have a responsibility in it. Listen, you talk about good works, you get close to Jesus and your good works will flow. They'll come out. Your nature will change. It's called sanctification. It's called baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit and sanctified, the things you used to love, you won't love them anymore. The things you used to like, you won't like it anymore. And the stuff that makes Jesus cry, now it'll make you cry. And the stuff that makes Jesus laugh, it'll start making you laugh. And the thing that breaks Jesus' heart will break your heart. And the thing that makes Jesus happy will make you happy. Because it's not by our will that we do good. It is by a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Out of that flows a righteous life. I didn't know I was going to preach this good. Man. Y'all with me on this? I'm telling you, if you think, all right, I got to get Jesus, and then I got to do everything perfect, and then I go to heaven, then you're never going to have confidence in your walk with God. You're never going to have confidence of eternal life until you understand that your eternal life is based solely on him and your acceptance of what he did, not anything you did, but your acceptance of what he did. Write this down in your margin. Write 1 John, 1 John. Just write 1 John because the whole book of 1 John, that's kind of before Revelation, right at the end of your Bible. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. But 1 John, over and over and over in 1 John, it says that you may know that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know, that you may have confidence that you have eternal life. He said, matter of fact, let me just read 1 John 5, 13. It's not going to come up on the screen, so just write that down so you can look it up when you get home. 1 John 5, 13. John is telling us why he wrote 1 John. He's telling us the reason he wrote 1 John. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. We don't have to guess. We don't have to hope. We don't have to hope we're one of the 144,000. We don't have to uh, cross our fingers for the day we die and hope we get in. You can know it. And I'm telling you, man, when you minister out of that confidence, when you teach out of that confidence, when you minister one-on-one -on -one with people, when you minister in your small group out of that confidence, it's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. Okay. A whole lot I could say. Let me just give you the last thing. The final thing is not only can, is God going to keep his promises, but number two, there's no prayer God can't answer. No prayer. Now, we thank God for unanswered prayer, don't we? Y'all thank God for unanswered prayer? Here, here's the deal about unanswered prayer. Uh, that great gospel singer, Garth Brooks, y'all know Garth Brooks? Said, thank God for 
unanswered prayer. And then y'all know my illustration about that. And for those who are new, let me share it really quick. Here's how, here's an illustration of thank God for unanswered prayer. You know that girl you dated in high school? And you said, God, please, please, please let me marry her. And then you saw her in the grocery store 24, 24 years later. And your first reaction was, ah! <laughs> And you walked out of the grocery store, all the way to your car, tears flowing. <laughs> you looking up into heaven going, thank God <laughs> for unanswered prayer. <laughs> you you be in the car, God is good, God is good. I always do it because, you know, guy and lady, but ladies, you, you run into that guy you're dating, and you're like, is that his daddy? It's him. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Look in Jeremiah again. Let's go to Jeremiah 13:33. We're talking about no prayer God can't answer. Look what it says. Call to me. What is that? Prayer. Call to me and what? I will answer you and show you some things you had never seen before. God wants to show you in 2015 some stuff you've never seen before, and the only reason you've never seen it is because you've never asked him. I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know, you've never seen, you've never experienced. Go to the next one, Matthew 21, 22. This sounds like one of those name it, claim it verses. I know Matthew's coming, yes. And whatever things, what? What's that? What you ask? Prayer. Whatever things you ask in prayer, what? There's the condition. There's the condition. See, you don't, you don't just ask and get it. He's not a genie in a lamp. You ask believing, you will receive it. Now you say, boy, that sounds like, man, I can just ask for anything I want as long as I've got faith and I'll get anything I want. You know that's not true. It's not true. Matter of fact, if you read the verses before that verse and the verses after, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, when you walk in intimacy with me, you will pray for the right things. You won't pray for foolish things and selfish things. You will pray for things that are already in my heart for you, and you'll get those things. You'll get those things. John Newton wrote this hymn many, many years ago. Come, my soul, thy suit prepare. Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself has bid thee pray, therefore he will not say to thee nay. He will not say nay. I love this verse, listen. Thou art coming to a king. You're coming to a king when you pray. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and his power are such, you can never ask too much. You can never ask too much. I really believe, and I said this the other Sunday, when we get to heaven, He's going to open a door and say, look at all that stuff. And you're going to go, ah, oh, I'm in heaven. Look what I get. And he's going to look at us and go, I wanted to give you that on earth. But you wouldn't ask me. You wouldn't trust me. You always believe for somebody else, but you never believe for yourself. Here's a whole bunch of stuff. I wanted to give you that while you were still down there, but you wouldn't. I believe that. I believe that. He wants to do this for us. He answers prayer. God asked Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah said, no, sir. Nothing's too hard for God. Let's stand. Everybody stand.